Amen. Welcome. Good to see everybody who's here this morning. Uh, glad to have those of you who are online with us, uh, whether you're there on Facebook or Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. YouTube is Highland Baptist Tullahoma. You can search us either way there. Be sure to heart to like to share the post there as well as to subscribe. Hit the notification bell there on YouTube, and that way you can get those notifications every time we go live. Uh, we also have our phone live streaming number, uh, and if you're interested in getting any of these cards, there are a few of these around still uh, that you can get to share with your friends. 
friends uh, to let them know the ways they can watch us. It's also just a way that you can say, hey, if you're not ready to come in person yet, uh, how about just watching us uh, online? Or you can listen to us on our phone live streaming number at 855-532-4025. So be sure to share that with others. If you're there at home, go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's there under the info tab that you can download our worship bulletin. If you need one of these in person, our ushers will be glad to give you one, but they're at the doors as you go out that way on the sides here in the windowsills, as well as back here in the hallway near the office. You can download this online there uh, at the website there. You can also download it there on your devices on your phone if you need it there in a digital format. Uh, we also have children's worship bulletins, and those are also available under that info tab. If you're here in person and you want one of these there in this windowsill over here, as the kids leave to go to children's church later, you can pick up uh, one of those. If you have kids that you want to send to children's church and you're a guest with us, uh, we do ask that you sign a sheet back here uh, before they go or as they go uh, so that that way we'll know whose kids are yours and we give the right ones back to the right parents. <laughs> so, and, and no no giving your kids to somebody else So <laughs> if you don't want them back. Uh, also, if you will, uh, there on our info tab, you can download the prayer list. So I encourage you to do that. We've got a lot of people uh, who are on the prayer list also. And we'll say more about this a little while later. Uh, but we have our Annie Armstrong Easter offering inserts in your bulletin. So be sure to get a bulletin this morning so you get one of those so you can be praying for our missionaries throughout this week with our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn. Good morning, everyone. Some of you have been sitting a while, some of you haven't, but uh, if you can stand with us, stand and join the choir as we sing 447, uh, Trust and Obey, 447.
Amen. As we come to our missionary moment, uh, time of our service, we want to remember our missionaries uh, this week. That's why we encourage you to get that insert that's in your bulletin. Uh, there's a prayer guide there to pray for a different North American missionary uh, all throughout uh, this coming week on both sides there. So be sure to get one of those. If you're at home and you want one of those, uh, you can request one of those from us by calling the church office and we'll send that to you. Or we will have that later on the website for you to be able to download if you have that access to do that. Uh, let me just share with you about Michael and Tracy Bird. Uh, they had moved out of the rough inner city neighborhood of St. Louis, uh, promising never to go back. You know, you don't ever tell God never, because <laughs> God will surely send you where you say, no, <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, and so that's exactly what happened uh, for them uh, as God called them to return there and to plant uh, Faith Community Bible Church. The neighborhood uh, is 95% African-American, has a high poverty rate, a high crime rate, uh, is the most single, has the most single-parent homes uh, in St. Louis. Uh, and they are using all kinds of ways to reach out to people, building relationships uh, over shared meals, offering group cooking lessons, and even trips to the grocery store uh, that just provide those opportunities to build relationships, things that we even can do uh, right here ourselves. So just know that every Sunday as you give your tithes and offerings, uh, a portion of the offerings goes to support uh, our North American missionaries and our international missionaries every Sunday. But twice a year, we have a special emphasis for our international missions, which is our Christmas offering and our Annie Armstrong Easter offering that comes up uh, and what we're emphasizing this week for our North American missionaries. And those two special missionaries, missions offerings uh, do quite a bit to support uh, those missionaries. So it's just an extra push uh, to help uh, keep uh, the costs down there and also to support those missionaries on the field. These are our North American missionaries, and so we want to lift Michael and Tracy Bird in our prayers today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, move in our hearts and in our lives this morning, that as we give, uh, Father, I pray that uh, you will lay upon our hearts what we might give towards this special offering. But Lord, we especially know that we have this wonderful privilege to come before your throne of grace and prayer, knowing that you are with us and you are with uh, the birds there in St. Louis. So we ask God that you would lay a special blessing upon them as they're seeking to reach those who are lost and the unchurched there in St. Louis. We pray, God, that you will open opportunities for them, even as they're starting to come out of COVID and, and, and the restrictions there in, in Missouri. So, Father, we just pray that you will bless them in a special way, provide for all of their needs and all of our missionaries uh, in North America and around the world. So we ask a special blessing for them today as they are also gathering to worship. Lord, uh, continue to be with us here at Highland, and Lord, just continue to stir our hearts to the work that you have before us. Father, help us to realize that you're not finished with any of us until we draw our last dying breath, and then we'll be around your throne praising you and glorifying the name of Jesus forever and ever and ever. So, Father, I pray that we'll be faithful in whatever days that any of us may have left, and that we'll be faithful right now in this moment, in this day, Lord, to worship you and to hear from your word, and then to obey what you tell us to do in your word. So, bless this morning's service. We give it all to you. You, and we ask the Lord for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me just remind you of that, Miss Rima, you want to share anything about this? Tonight. <laughs> 
Okay. Tonight, we are going to have a special service uh, where we're going to be emphasizing our North American missionaries. We're going to be telling a lot of those stories, sharing a lot of our videos from uh, them directly. Uh, we also have a missionary partnership uh, with Calgary, Alberta, Canada, with Josh Hatfield and his wife Allison and their family. Uh, he has sent us a video, about a 12-minute video, too, that we're going to be sharing about the update on what's going on in Calgary. Uh, we do have some trips that are planned uh, for this summer through our association to go back there uh, to, or to at least to go there to start with. We, I've been there uh, to do some preliminary work, uh, but to be able to go there and to help them uh, in the mission work. So you come back tonight. It's going to be a, a blessing for you. I encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, let me also remind you uh, that last, not last week, but I guess it was the week before last that we shared about Ukraine, wasn't it? Or was it last Sunday night? Last Sunday night. I've lost track there because I've had to go to Louisville and back <laughs> since then. But uh, we, we shared about the, the people in Ukraine last Sunday night, and you'll see down here in front of the pulpit, there are some pictures like this uh, that we have left that we want to encourage you to be sure to pick up one of these. Uh, and as you look at those children, as you look at those young adults, as you look at those people who, are, who, are there, who were there in, in, on a mission trip uh, there back in 2005, I believe that's right, uh, encourage you to pray for the people uh, of Ukraine uh, and to uplift them uh, in your prayers. Uh, and then also don't forget we still have a few of the, the books of the life of Jesus uh, by Herschel Hobbs uh, here on the sides of the stage at the back as you leave and out here in the hallway. Pick up one of those if you want one. If you're one of our guests, though, we encourage you to pick up one of the bags that are on the side of the stage or on the tables as you leave. Uh, just a way for us to say thank you for being here this morning. It's got some gifts in it for you uh, to show our appreciation as well as some information uh, about our church. And then also we do have a few of these left. Uh, we're going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. Uh, we're just about finished with the seven letters to the seven churches, and we're going to be getting into more of the symbolism. This is a little card that we put together uh, with the numbers of the book of Revelation. If you'd like one of those, uh, there's a couple of those that I have here this morning with me, and we can get you some more. And then also, we have started on Fridays. Uh, we have a large group of people that meet here on Fridays for the food ministry at Westside Nazarene, which is right down the street on on. Cedar Lane here, but once you cross uh, Lincoln, then it becomes West Side Drive. Uh, it's uh, the Nazarene Church on the left down there, probably about three, anywhere, it's been more closer to four to five hundred people in the last couple of weeks that we've been having. That uh, They fill this parking lot up, they fill the upper parking lot up, they wrap around the building, and then there is a line of two uh, that they do there also. And so it's an awesome ministry, but it's an opportunity for us also to be involved. We're opening our ministry center on those Fridays from 9.30 to 11.30. And so we do have a sign-up sheet if you want to help, if you just want to volunteer for an hour. Uh, that would be great if you want to volunteer for the two hours. We need at least two people uh, to help us with that. You're just opening it up, greeting people as they come in, directing them where to go, uh, and then uh, inviting them to come to our services. So this sign-up sheet will be on the board back here. If you want to sign up for that ministry, it's on Fridays from 9.30 to 11.30. Uh, and you can just do an hour if you want to. It'd be a great opportunity for you to get involved in some ministry uh, here through the church. And then one last thing to share with you, especially those who are online, uh, to just remind
remind you that you can do your online giving there. Go to the website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Easy platform there. Anybody even in here in person, you can pull out your phone uh, and do that also. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. If you're at home, you can drop it by the church during our business hours, or you can send it to us in the mail uh, at the address that you'll see uh, on your screen. So thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, looking forward to the rest of the worship service. Well, we've sang already about trust and obey, and let's continue that trusting theme by singing 411, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Join the choir as we sing. of about Children's Church. You can gather over here during this song on the piano side. But our next hymn, please stand with us and sing 417. If you have the books there, join with us on Trusting Jesus, 417. Ladies.
by the blood? Amen. Amen. Uh, that is the Shadow Mountain uh, Choir Ensemble there. Uh, we use uh, some of their videos quite a bit uh, in our service until we are able to have a, a music minister back. Uh, kind of help some of, that, some of that with our choir, uh, but we do about one or two a month uh, that we do. So we kind of supplement that some, uh, especially with some of their videos. That's Dr. David Jeremiah's uh, church, uh, Shadow Mountain Community Church. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 through verse 11 is where we're at this morning. I've entitled the message, Go Deeper. Uh, and you're going to find out exactly why as we get into uh, this passage this morning. So Luke chapter 5, we're just going to begin with the first verse, and then we'll get into the other verses in just a moment. But let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. Luke 5 verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage this morning and this uh, passage here from the life of Jesus, Lord, I pray that we will see some practical applications for our lives. Lord, it's a great story uh, and to hear what you did in this great miracle. But Lord, we want to get out of this verse uh, and out of these verses, Lord, what you want us to do in our hearts and our lives in going deeper, deeper in our relationship with you, deeper in our service with you, uh, deeper in our worship with you. And so Father, I pray that you will help every one of us here this morning to go deeper. And for some of us, Lord, it's just to begin taking those first steps of faith, uh, to step out into the water of faith and to trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. So, Father, I pray that there will be those who will hear the gospel message this morning uh, in this passage and respond to Jesus. Others, Lord, who have already done that, I pray, Lord, that they will hear this message and hear the things that they need to apply to their lives and to step out by faith and to answer the call that you placed on every one of our lives for service in your kingdom work. So bless your word this morning. Bless the reading of it, the hearing of it, and the keeping of it. In Jesus' name name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Let me start off by asking you a question. If I told you that God was going to send his son to this earth and that he would live for about 33 years and that only the last three years of his life would be how his life would be measured, what do you think he would do with those three years? Let me make it a little more personal. Suppose from the day you were born, you knew you were only going to live 33 years and that your life would be measured only by the last three years of your life. What would you do with your life? You know, as we look at this passage here, we're going to find out that Jesus did more and Jesus accomplished more in those last three years in his life than any other human being has in their full life. In fact, he accomplished more than any other nation or any other kingdom in history. H.G. Wells, who was a famous author uh, and one of the top historians of the 20th century, he said this about Jesus. He said, more than 1,900 years later, a historian like myself, <clears throat> who doesn't even call himself a Christian, finds the picture centering irresistibly around the life and character of this most significant man. He said the historian's test of an individual's greatness is, what did he leave to grow? Did he start men to thinking along fresh lines with a vigor that persisted after him? He said this, by this test, Jesus stands first among all who have ever lived. 
Someone once said this, you can gauge the size of a ship that is passed out of sight by the huge wake that it leaves behind. By any measure, Jesus had, had the world's largest wake behind him. It all began with this journey <clears throat> that some men decided to take 2,000 years ago uh, to follow this carpenter from Nazareth. And the story that we're going to read today shows us the things that Jesus did in those last three years that made such a difference. So when you study the three years, the last three years of Jesus's life as recorded here in the Gospels, you find amazingly that his whole life revolved around missing persons. It revolved around lost people. Every person far from God is a missing person to God. And Jesus spent the, the last three years of the, the most important years of his life doing two simple things, finding those who were lost, finding missing persons, and making committed disciples. And that's exactly what we're to be doing as the church and as Christians today. Of all the things he could have done, I mean, think about it. He could have written books. Uh, he could have, he could have gave, made money. Uh, he could have started a business. Uh, he could have went to school. He gave his life for those two things. And he wants us to give our life for those two things. So here's the thing you need to get. If you don't get anything else from this message this morning, get this. When you make the purpose of his life the purpose of your life, you find the real purpose of all of life. Do you get that? When you make the purpose of his life the purpose of your life, then you find the real purpose of all of life. And, and that purpose is found in the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. If you knew you only had three years left to live, three years left to make a difference for the Lord, three years left to, to leave a lasting legacy that would leave a wake behind you uh, that would impact the people you love for the rest of your life, then what would you do? You can sum up everything that Jesus wants you to do in the very first command he ever gave to anyone and is found in these words, follow me or go deeper. Those two words are the foundation of living a purpose-filled life of eternal consequences. Life is a journey. It has its ups, it has its downs, and someone said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with what? The first step. And that's what he's waking, waiting on us to do. So we're going to read the story here of how Jesus calls his followers to, to keep in mind. You're, so keep in mind here, you're not just reading a story about them. You're reading a story about us. And, and the steps that they took are the steps that we need to take if we want to go deeper on this greatest journey of all, one will, that will lead us to a God-filled eternity. Here's the first step of going deeper, and it's pretty simple. Hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. You're going to see this in verse 1 down through verse 3. We've already looked at verse 1 here uh, that he's here uh, on Lake Gennesaret. Now, Lake Gennesaret's another name for the Sea of Galilee or uh, there. And so uh, he's gathered there many times. Jesus was in different places uh, on the sea. And sometimes it was called uh, the Lake of Gennesaret because you were close to Gennes the Gennesaret area. Uh, and so uh, other times you called it the Sea of Galilee when you were more out in the, in the countrysides. And so that's where Jesus was. And this crowd was pressing on him to do what? To hear the word of God. 
the gospel writers tell us that uh, the public ministry of Jesus involved three things. It, it involved teaching, it involved preaching, and it involved healing. And for three solid years, Jesus went throughout the countryside teaching people what was right, preaching what was true, and healing what was wrong. And so the story begins here with Jesus teaching and people hearing the Word of God. And that's important since every journey of Jesus begins with hearing the Word of God. Jesus, think about this, he wasn't teaching from the Bible like we are this morning, because not at least like we know it, because he wasn't teaching from a book. He was teaching from his heart. This wasn't even compiled yet into the Word of God. The Old Testament books were out there, but they weren't in one place where you could look at them all at one time. If you remember Jesus in the temple before he was handed the scroll uh, of the book of Isaiah, and that's what he uh, preached from uh, and spoke from. And so uh, it wasn't compiled like we have it today. So he's teaching from his heart. That phrase, the word of God, could also be translated the word from God. And so every time Jesus opens his mouth, you're hearing the word of God. His teaching was the word of God because he was the God of the world. In fact, John, who is in this story, would later write this in John chapter 1 and verse 1. He would say, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, with, the word was with God, and the word was God. And so what was he teaching this crowd? He was teaching them what Luke chapter 4 and verse 43 says. He says to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And, and so he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. In other words, that light had come to people who were in spiritual darkness. Sight had come to those who were spiritually blind. Freedom had come to those who were spiritually captive to sin. And so in order to make sure that the crowds could hear him, notice and to create some space between himself and them, notice what he does in verse 2 and verse 3. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were and were washing their nets. Verse three, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So notice here, he gets into Peter's boat, and he asks Peter to, to shove out just a little bit offshore, just a short distance. Now, why did he do that? Well, one of the reasons he was doing that is he was using the water to magnify his voice so that all the crowd could hear him. If you've ever been out on a lake, ever been out on a body of water, it's amazing how you can be on one side and hear things. You ever done that? You're at the lake and you can hear, where's those people at? And they're way across on the other side because the sound travels faster and farther over water than it does land. And you may be asking, how did Jesus know that? Well, the short answer is, is because he made both the land and the water. And so here is the crowd. They're hanging on every word. And so is Peter because he has no choice. He's in the boat with Jesus. That's one of the reasons he takes Peter's boat. Because remember, there was more than one boat here. And he chose Peter's boat. He chose Peter's boat for a purpose and for a reason. So Jesus has Peter there, 
And Peter's obeyed him thus far. Uh, he asked Peter, Peter, can you shove out just a little bit uh, where we can get out a little bit into the water? Now, they're not out in the deep yet. They're still in the shallots. He knows the first step of becoming a follower of his is to hear the word of God. Know this, that miracles start with a word of God. And that's exactly what happens here. Uh, to go deeper into, we need to go deeper into the Word of God than we've ever been before in our life. And so I want to encourage you, get into God's Word, study God's Word, absorb God's Word, read God's Word, hear God's Word, and then obey God's Word. And I guarantee you, your life will be more blessed than it is right now. Here's the second thing we see from this passage this morning. Trust the Son of God. Hear the word of God. Now trust the Son of God. So the last thing that Peter wanted to hear Jesus say that day was, let's go fishing. Notice verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. You see, the first steps for us begins in the shallows. It begins in us taking those steps of faith into the waters of faith to trust Jesus and to obey what he tells us to do. But now he's telling Peter, Peter, I don't want you to stay here. I don't want you to stay in the shallows. Peter, I want you to go out into the deep. That's what he's saying to us this morning. There are some of you here this morning, you've already trusted by faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You've stepped out, taken that first step by faith into the waters of faith to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. But now the Lord is saying to you, I want you to go deeper. I want you to go deeper in my word, and I want you to trust my son more than you've ever trusted him before. And so Jesus says to Peter here, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, get the picture here. Peter, what is he? He's a fisherman. In fact, he's a professional fisherman. This is what he's done all his life. He knows where the fish are. He knows how to fish. He doesn't need some whippersnapper coming out there telling him, here's what you need to do to go catch some fish. You ever had somebody tell you that? Here's what you need to do. And, and what they needed to do was to listen to Jesus. So uh, think here in what Peter's doing. He's a professional fisherman uh, who does this for a living, and he thinks to himself, that's just what you'd expect a carpenter to say. <laughs> Go out into the deep. Remember what Peter and his fishing buddies were doing in that boat. You remember back in verse 2, what were they doing? They were washing their nets. Now let me tell you, washing their nets is more than just sticking them in the, in the washing machine and, and turn them on. We have conveniences today. They're sitting there, they're taking every little, you know, nets have little triangle shapes where the ropes have been tied together and they're going through every single one of those tediously looking because as you throw your nets out, as you begin to cast your nets and, and drag them around through the water, things get caught in them. Things begin to tear the ropes. And so you've got to take care of your, your nets. And so if you find a place where the ropes have been broken, you've got to mend that. So in washing, there's also some mending uh, that's going on. And, and so we see here they were washing their nets. Uh, and, and so we, what that tells us also is, is that the day's work had been done. When did you wash your nets? You washed your nets after you came in from the day's catch. And so here they are, the work has been done, they punched their clock, they pulled their nets in, they've come into shore, they're cleaning their nets so they don't get damaged as they prepare for the next day's work, and they're going home. 
They've worked all the previous night. And we find that when we get to verse 5. Because notice what Peter says. Verse 5 says, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I mean, think about it. Peter's exhausted. They have cast those nets. And these aren't like what we think of today. Uh, You've seen fishermen who uh, sometimes use nets to catch minnows with or to catch small fish with, to fish with. You'll cast your net out like that. You did that on the shore. This was, these were big nets that would be uh, dragged along behind them and they would make a circle. It would be about 100 yards that they would go around. Uh, when I grew up in Florida, we used to go to, uh, some of you know where Lake George is. I know some of you used to go fishing there, Brother Arthur, uh, in some of those places, Lake Crescent. And we would do what was called gill net fishing. And we would take a post that would have a net rolled up on it. It would be laying on an inner tube to float in the water. And, and we'd just drop it in the water and, and begin to run it around uh, until finally all that was unraveled and it made a circle. Us kids, they'd have us get in the middle and just splash and make all kind of noise as the adults kept rolling up and wrapping up that net tighter and tighter and tighter. And fish would get caught in the net. That's kind of the idea of what's happening here in these boats. They drug the nets behind them, made the circle, they pulled in those nets and it's hard work and they're tired and they're exhausted. He and his partners have fished all night long and they didn't catch anything. You ever been fishing and you didn't catch anything? You're not enthusiastic about going back the next time. (laughs) And that's what we find here. They weren't ready to go back. Uh, They had worked all night, and and so they had fished all night. And there was a reason they worked at night. The fish in the Sea of Galilee fed at night. In the daytime, they're hiding under the rocks, hiding under the logs. Even worse, they would congregate around streams and, and, and the springs at the edge of the sea, close to the shore, not in the deep. And so at night, a fish couldn't see a net. Uh, but they could see it in the daytime and, and they could avoid it. And so Peter, uh, he, he sees this request is, man, this is foolish. Why? It's the wrong time. The best time to fish was at night and, and during the very early morning. And secondly, it's in the wrong place. Every fisherman knew that the best place to fish was along the shoreline, uh, not in the deep water. If they went out in front of that crowd and Peter's going to be the laughing stock of the whole community. Peter, why are you going out there? You think you're a fisherman? You've been doing this all your life. Why are you doing that? And he would be the laughing stock, and they would be the only boats out there. And this is kind of probably how the conversation went. Jesus, I really love you a lot, and I think you're a cool guy, but I'm a professional fisherman. You're a carpenter. I know nets, and I know bait. You know hammers, and you know nails. You don't know anything about fishing. Jesus probably looked at him and said, well, from the looks of your empty nets, you probably don't either. (laughs) You need to understand, fishing was back-breaking work. It's not like what we do. We go out and we cast our line in and we sit down in the chair on the boat or on the land. This was hard labor. You're laying out a great net in that semicircle. And you're drawing it in hand over hand. And you're repeating that process over and over and over again. And Jesus is now asking this man who hasn't slept all night, who hadn't caught one thing, who had just finished washing 
his nets of all the dirt and the debris and the trash and the garbage that got tangled up in the net that he's going to have to wash again if he goes out there and does what Jesus says to do. He's having to load all that up, row out into the deep water in broad daylight and catch fish that he thinks won't even be there. Peter expected Jesus to say, Oh, forgive me for being so insensitive. Just forget the whole thing. Pretend this conversation never happened. But instead, Jesus kind of just folds his arms, if you will, looks at him, and waits. Now, if you're a husband, you've seen that look many times. You've had that conversation maybe with your wife before. Honey, I I think that's a bad idea. I really don't want to do that right now. I'd really rather go another time. Can we do this later? And she just doesn't say a word, but gives you that look. You know the look. That look that just pierces right through you. She gives you that look and you say, well, on second thought, I think that's a great idea. (laughs) If you know what's good for you, you'll say that. So Peter says, notice here in verse 5, at the end of verse 5, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now don't miss the importance of what he said and what he did. What you're looking at is one of the first examples of faith from the disciples in the New Testament. Here's what faith is. Faith is simply taking Jesus at his word and trusting what he says. Peter's saying in essence, I wouldn't do this for anybody else, but I've heard you teach And I've seen you work. Because think about it, back in chapter 4 in Luke's gospel, Jesus had just been to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. So it's almost like Peter owed him one. And because of all that, he says, I'll do what you ask. Get this truth. God honors faith. And faith is simply trusting Jesus and doing what he says in spite of the feelings within you, in spite of the circumstances around you, in spite of the consequences before you, that you hear what the Lord says in his word and you step out in faith and do what he says. God sometimes allows things to come into our lives and he says, here's what I want you to do through this season in your life, I want you to go deeper, deeper than you've ever been before. And we say, but Jesus, you just don't understand. I can't do that. I don't know how. Or we say, I can't do that because I'm too busy doing this. Or we say, I can't do that. It's just too hard. I can't do that. What will others think? I mean, what would others think of Peter out there And the rest of the boats are on the shore. Jesus is just standing there looking at us. And you can feel it. And we hear it. But he doesn't say anything else. And we know that whatever life has brought our way, God wants to use it to take us deeper. Why? Let me give you a a, a spoiler, if you will, to the story. He allows it to happen to bring glory to him and to bring good into your life. 
You may not understand it, why it's happening at the moment. Peter, I'm sure, didn't totally understand why are we doing this? Why are we going out here fishing? We know there's not fish here at this time of the day. We know this isn't the place we're supposed to go to fish. Uh, Jesus, it just does not make sense. But I've seen you work. And I've heard what you've taught. And I'm just going to step out and trust you. And do what you told me. Notice here. It's this second step of trusting the Son of God that makes the first step, the hearing of the Word of God, come to life. Because if you hear the Word of God, but you don't trust the Son of God, then your hearing won't make any difference. Because understand, you can hear the word of God all you want, but if you don't obey the word of God, what good was the hearing? Peter has taken the second step of of, of what would be a lifelong journey, but now he's about to experience the greatest thrill of all, this third step. When you hear the word of God and you trust the Son of God, here's the third step. Experience the grace of God. Understand, it has nothing to do with you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's his grace. Notice verse 4 again. So notice exactly what Jesus said to Peter back in verse 4. He said, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus isn't saying, let's go looking for fish. He's saying, let's go catch fish. And and that's a big difference. So look at what happens next when we go down to verse 6. Verse 6 says, and when they had done this, so notice there's the step of obedience. They did what Jesus said to do, and it wasn't before. uh, They would have never experienced this miracle if they did not do what Jesus said to do, if they did not obey. You'll never experience the blessing of God until you obey the word of God. And so notice, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of, a fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat, guys, get over here and help us. We're catching fish. Come over here, help us. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. It's one thing to know how to fish. It's another thing to know where to fish. And so they signaled here to the other boats for help, and they filled up uh, that boat and probably could have filled others if they had had others there. Could you imagine what God wants to do in your life, how he wants to fill your life with so much blessing? Can you imagine how, what God wants to do in and through this church? Could you just imagine every seat in this church being packed, being filled with people, fish, if you will? They filled up this boat. What a catch. I want you to see a picture. This is a picture of the Sea of Galilee when I went on a trip there uh, several years ago. Uh, This is the Lake Gennesaret. It's a huge lake. And, And as you look at the lake, I want you to see the next slide. It's a picture of a boat that has been discovered in the mud area around the shores there uh, near Capernaum uh, that was excavated through the mud there and taken and put into a museum. They took it, they 
you know, like the foam stuff we put in the cracks in our homes to seal out to keep the mice from coming in and things. They took that kind of foam stuff and sprayed all around it to get it out of the mud without it all falling apart. Then they took it all apart from the from that foam stuff, labeled every piece, put it all back together, and this is one of those boats from the days of Jesus. Think about this, that picture of that boat. It's about seven and a half feet wide, about 27 feet long. And there were, there were two of those that were filled so full that they began to sink. That's a ton of fish to make a boat start sinking like that. I mean, look at that, how they're out there on the Sea of Galilee in this last picture here. Look at that Sea of Galilee again. And you see the landscape there before them. And they're out there far in the deep. And they're beginning to sink because of the weight of those fish. We're talking about tons of fish, the greatest in the history of that sea. Never before seen and never seen again a catch like that been made. It's the first time in history that a fisherman actually came home and told the truth. (laughs) Yeah, we really did catch all those fish. If you don't believe us, ask Jesus. He was there. You can just imagine Peter who's who's thinking, Jesus, why don't we go into business together? I mean, I know how to fish. You know where to fish. I've got this vision. We could open up restaurants all over Israel. And then the thought hits him. Why would Jesus, a poor carpenter who didn't own a home, who had no money of his own, why would Jesus travel the countryside preaching and teaching and healing for nothing? In fact, what Peter realizes is he could have got into somebody else's boat. Why did he get into my boat? And why did he give me this catch? And then it's like it hit him. Jesus doesn't care about fish or the business or the money. Jesus cares about me. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus cares about you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what difficulties you're facing. But one of the things you need to get from this passage this morning is that Jesus cares about you. He he doesn't care about prosperity. He cares about people, missing people, hurting people. And notice this is how Peter responds at verse 8. When Peter saw it, he sees this miracle of this catch of fish. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Peter, who had called him master in the beginning of this conversation, which is a a synonym for captain, leader, now he calls him Lord. I don't know that Peter fully understood what that means uh, or knew what that meant at this moment, but he knew that some way, somehow, either this man is God or he uh, knew somehow that he was in the presence of God. And he gets it right. And he says, Jesus, you are Lord. And I'm just a sinner. I don't deserve what you just did for me. I mean, think about 
how much that meant financially to the business. Notice it's the first time the word sinner is found in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus agreed with Peter. There's no argument. Jesus doesn't come to him and say, Peter, I wouldn't go that far to say that. Jesus agreed. The, the Bible tells us there are none that are good. No, not one. We are sinful people. But just like Peter found out, Jesus isn't going to leave Peter, but he's going to ask Peter to join him. Verse 10 and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Seven times in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says these words, don't be afraid. And what Jesus said to Peter, he says to, to us, he says, I, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I, I don't care how bad you've blown it. I, you don't have anything to fear from me. Jesus didn't come to bring fear. Jesus came to bring forgiveness. And it's amazing that Peter uh, wanted to send the Lord away, but Jesus wanted to draw Peter closer Here's another final point I want you to get. That at the point that you feel the farthest from God is the point that God wants to be the most near to you. And that's whether you're an unbeliever or a believer. When you meet Jesus and you recognize who he is and you realize what you are and you resolve to bring what you are to who he is, he will not reject you with a closed fist. But he will receive you with open arms. When you experience the grace of God, it leads you to this next step. Follow the will of God. He says you're going to catch men. Now that's a combination of two Greek words. One means alive, the other means to catch. In the real sense, to catch alive. Because remember this, these two boats that have been on the edge of this lake and fishermen were washing their nets. Jesus could have chosen either one of these boats, but he chose Peter. God has chosen us specifically. Remember this, that they're, as you see those two boats, they're washing their nets there. Why? Simon Peter's boat. There's two boats at least. Think about this in this perspective as a church. Why are there two churches on the same street, same area? One's dead and another's alive. It's because of how much they're allowing God to work in them. And remember what Peter said back in verse 5. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Jesus was saying, Peter, I chose you. I could have chosen anyone else, but I chose you. What you're doing for a living isn't what I want you to do with your life. He says, you can catch fish for a living. Uh, you're going to catch people for life. He said to him, basically, you spent your life catching these fish for the purpose of killing them and, and eating them. But you're going to spend the rest of life catching people in order to give them life. I want you to see this God-sized task. Notice, they had fished all night the night before. That's what verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 7 tell us. It was the same boats. It was the same nets. It was the same body of water. The difference was a command from God. And now he says to him, 
from now on, you're going to be catching men. I want to challenge you to expect great things from a great God. You may not think it's possible to reach more people, but the, the Bible tells us in Matthew 19, 26, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You may think there's no way I can go through what I'm going through, but the Bible says with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so don't miss this. God is saying to you, even when you don't understand it, I have chosen you. I could have chosen anyone else, but I chose you to do what I want you to do. I want you to find missing, hurting people and make them committed followers of Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus was telling Peter to do was the very thing he was doing. Jesus had told Peter to catch people because he had just caught Peter. Peter, I just caught you so that you'll go catch others. I found you so that you would find others. And so from now on, Peter's life was going to be built around these two things, finding missing, hurting people and making committed disciples of Jesus. That was the will of God for Peter and for those disciples, and that's the will of God for every follower of Jesus Christ and the will of God for every church. And notice here, our job's to find them, to make followers of them, and then step five closes the circle. Verse 11, surrender to the call of God. And when they had brought their boats to the land, notice the next phrase, they left everything. What's that mean? That means they left the boats. They left their livelihood. That means they left those fish. That was a huge amount of fish that could have made them tons of money. And they leave it all behind and followed him. That verse will make you swallow pretty, pretty hard because these four men essentially were signing a blank piece of paper that day and Jesus hadn't even written the contract yet. That's what I want to close with here. Christianity is more than just accepting Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection for your sins so you can go to heaven when you die. It's also so you can live out his purpose in this life and make your life count. Not just blowing it on silver and stuff and things of this world, but being willing as, as, as a once missing person yourself to find other missing, hurting people and to catch others the way you were caught. And to do that, we have to leave all and follow him. They left that way of life, the only way they had ever known. Know this, Tullahoma is growing and it won't always be the same. And as it grows and it changes, so do churches that are alive. And we have to leave all that hinders us from reaching the potential that he has for us and to follow him. And we have to work together with other believers to build the kingdom of God. And you may be thinking, me? You? Yes, you. So let's go back to where we started. If you knew you only had three years left of your life, what would you do? Would it change anything about the way you're living now? Because God wants to use you no matter what your circumstances are. 
You may have 30 years left. You may have three years left. You may have three months or three weeks or three days. The point is, is that we ought to always be living our life as if this could be the last day I have on this earth. And I want to make it count for Jesus. Is it scary? Certainly. It certainly is. Is it costly? Yes. It's a risk to stop doing something you've always done to start serving the Lord. It's a risk to to start a church or pastor a church. It's a risk to start a new ministry or to teach others to become committed followers of Christ. It's a risk to live the Christian life in our age and our culture today. It's a risk to share your faith with people you know. It's a risk to stand for your beliefs when the world around you says that those beliefs are outdated, those beliefs are old-fashioned, and, and even to say so much sometimes that you're a, you're, you're a hater or a bigot or a hypocrite. You may toil and you may labor in the work for Christ and not catch any fish all night. You may feel like sometimes like giving up. But let me encourage you, never give in, never give up, but you keep pressing forward and trust in Jesus. And when you decide to step out and to follow Jesus, know that he takes the responsibility for the journey. So no matter what you're facing today, I want to encourage you this morning to step out by faith and to go deeper. Deeper than you've ever been before. Get the picture that you can never receive what God has to give you if you're always trying to hold on to all that you ever had. If they had held on to those nets and those boats, they would have never experienced the miracle of the catch they had that day. Their lives would have never changed, and they would have always remained the same. Know this, that God is speaking to some of you personally today, and he's saying, I want you to launch out into the deep. Some are going to launch out into the deep, deep, deeper spiritually where the blessings of obedience abound. Uh, We're going to be obedient, but some won't because you're afraid. Afraid of the deep, afraid of the hard work, afraid of the unknown. To go deeper, we have to hear the word of God. And when you read and study the word of God and you hear the word of God, trust the son of God. And when you do that, you will begin to experience the grace of God as you follow the will of God, as you surrender to the call of God. We need to follow Jesus, not because he needs us, but because we need him. Go deeper. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. What a powerful passage for us to apply to our lives. Lord, we know it's hard. It was hard for Peter and those disciples to step out by faith. It wasn't an easy decision. But Father, there are some that you're calling here to take those first steps of faith, to just step out a little bit into the water, to trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, to believe in what he came and did for you on the cross, that he he died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose on the third day. And if you would just call out to him, Jesus, I need to be saved. I trust in what you did for me on the cross. I trust in your resurrection to bring me eternal life. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of it. I turn away from it. And I turn to follow you, Jesus. Help me to live for you all the days of my life.
Lord, if someone's prayed something like that, let them come forward this morning to publicly profess that faith. But others of us, Lord, who are already believers, we have heard the call this morning that we need to go deeper. We've been in the shallows for far too long, and you're wanting us to experience the blessings of the miracle of going deeper. So help us, Lord, to take those steps of faith and to trust you, to know you've got this. We're in your hands, and you're going to see us safely through to the other side. So help us, Lord, to take that first step. And when we do, may you begin to show up in a powerful, mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 275, I surrender all. Brother Mike, come and lead us. You come as the Lord lays on
Ms. Laura's got an announcement first. Good morning. You may have noticed the containers of Easter eggs stationed around the church. There's one in the front door and one by the carport, also one upstairs and one by the fellowship hall. Those are our eggs for our Easter egg hunt that's coming up on April 9th. So when you're here for services anyway, if you could stuff three or five or 50 of those eggs, that would help us. We have over 3,000 of them. So um, many hands make light work. We would appreciate some help with that. Um, if you want to pick up some candy, you can put those with them. We have some that the church has purchased, but may need a little bit more um, as long as it will fit in an Easter egg. Um, I'm also asking for some prayer. Just we're considering maybe adding some special needs hunts this year. Um, haven't actually run it by Pastor Jim, so surprise. But um, <laughs> looking at maybe um, having some special things for children with visual impairments or hearing impairments or possibly some sensory needs. So if you would be interested in either working these hunts or helping us make some adaptive eggs for them, if you could just let me know. Thank you for your support of our children's ministries. All right, great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? amen. All right, I've just got a couple of things. Um, real quick, there was a wedding yesterday uh, here at the church. The bride lost a sapphire ring. So if anybody happens to see that, uh, please turn it in so we can get it back to her. A uh, couple of prayer requests. Uh, Miss Alicia Snell's biopsy got moved to this upcoming Friday, March 11th. Uh, Tracy Henderson's dad is still in the hospital with uh, stage four lung cancer, so keep those in your prayers. Uh, remember Erin Murray. Um, some may know, some may not, but she's being diagnosed with breast cancer. She has asked for prayer uh, for the appointments as well as the wisdom on the decisions that have got to be made. So. If you will, just join me now and we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I just thank you for bringing us to your house this morning, Lord, to hear this word, to just get us to dig deeper into your word, Lord. Just let us take this time to, to reflect on our lives, Lord, and to uh, take this message and apply it to our daily lives and be that shining light for you out in this, this dark, dark world. Just go with us now and just forgive where I failed you. Amen. Amen. 